Nikki Jensen and Brie Picconi and we're late, late to, to the, the party. party a weekly podcast about film fashion and pop culture from two best friends mentally at the, the Moulin, Moulin Rouge <laughs> we're can canon the night away Lady Marmalade <laughs> which can we just at the top of it talk about how Iconic, amazing, legendary, inspirational Lady Marmalade. The, yes. That whole performance, like music video is. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Also, I didn't realize this, but Missy Elliott produced it. I didn't know that. It shows. It's it only greatness. You got Extina. You yes. got Pink. Maya. Maya. Lil' Kim. Lil' Kim, yes. Who doesn't love Lil' Kim? I don't know. Is anyone else on the- on the track, I think that's it. And, and Missy. Missy Elliott, yeah, of course. Because she's, she's like the green fairy. Mm-hmm. She does the intro and the outro. I don't know. I love her. I love when she just spits on tracks, anyways. You know, just in general. Yeah. Well, you're like a Missy Elliott stan. I am. Well, yeah. But today we are talking about Moulin Rouge from 2001, directed, produced, co-written by Baz Luhrmann. And starring Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. Who? Who is cute? Is Is that what you're thinking? Who has the most beautiful voice in the whole entire world? Like the voice of an angel. I was very charmed by him in this performance. I don't know what it is before. Because we did watch this movie. We did like the 2002 Academy Awards. We did. Well, we were very harsh on it. I mean, I've seen this movie plenty of times. But yeah. I love this. I've, I've, I loved this movie like before as well. I don't know. What is your what's your relationship with this movie? So like in 2001, there was definitely buzz about Moulin Rouge. I remember just like everyone was like Lady Marmalade and the whole like pink and Christina Aguilera of, of it all, like the feud or whatever. And mm. the music video, that was a big deal. Right. But also the movie with, like, the can-can, like, dance and, like, using the old look of the Moulin Rouge, but blending it with new songs and, like, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I remember there was, like, hype around this movie. And it was before Baz Luhrmann became, like, I don't want to say a cliche, but, like, when you say Baz Luhrmann now, it holds a different weight than I think it did back then. Mm. So, yeah. I just, I always... I was like, oh, Moulin Rouge. And I have the original, like from 2002, I have the original DVD. Oh, yeah. That's how we watched it that one time, yes. right? It was cool. It had a cool, like, um, whatever that screen, like the menu scene selection, whatever that, is that what it is? The menu? I don't know. Yes. Can we just talk about how good early 2000s DVD menus were? So good. Sometimes they'd have little games in there or just transitions. I remember, like, the Green Fairy was, like really prominent in the mm-hmm. Moulin Rouge DVD. Yes. yes. The Absinthe Fairy. Kylie Minogue. Is that who that was? Yeah. <gasps> love her. I love Kylie. Yes. Minogue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, oh yeah, remember that time, like didn't Kylie Jenner a couple years ago try to trademark the name Kylie? Did and she Kylie really? Minogue was like, no, no, I'm famous. Yeah, that's, that's not right. Yeah. Kylie Minogue was first. For real. Kylie Jenner's not the Green Fairy. 
Mm-mm. However, that'd be really funny. That would be. So before we get into the movie, speaking of Kylie Jenner being the Green Fairy, if we were to do a modern day Lady Marmalade, yes. who is the lineup? Who is the lineup? I'm trying to think because I'm trying not to be biased towards, and I probably wouldn't pick these same girls, but I've heard, you know, that song Bang Bang with Jesse J. And Ariana Grande. Uh, yeah. I forgot Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. Oh, yeah. Nicki Minaj has to be on it. They though. were saying that was inspired by, like, the Lady Marmalade remake. Um, mm, I mean, that's a reach, but. It is, yeah, it's not the same vibes, and it's definitely not the same song. It doesn't have. Not as iconic. I never could. To be honest, I never really cared for that song. I thought it was annoying. I don't know. It's a hot take. Okay. So we are kind of spoilers for our own podcaster or whatever. But we've been watching the Nancy Myers films Mm -hmm. because we're going to talk about Nancy Myers in a few weeks. Yes. And I just watched last night The Intern. Mm-hmm. And I noticed all the needle drops were like the most 2014, 2015 things ever. Didn't have bang bang, but I feel like it's the same thing where like I cringe, like I wince hearing bang have bang fun? now. What? Fun. Like did it, where there was like oh, that one fun song that was really big. Did it have that? Like t- it, it did not. It had all about that bass. And oh. I just like winced. Because I was like, oh, that reminds me of like 2014. I'm bringing booty I feel like Bang Bang is like in that category. It, yeah, it's like a weird, I don't know. Like I get PTSD or something from Bang Bang. Yeah. Yeah. But Lady Marmalade. Lady Marmalade. Yeah, that's the real. So if we had to re-cast like, the mm-hmm. ladies. Yes. Who would I cast? Yeah. Who, who would be your lineup? Gaga. Oh, okay. Who would she be? Um, probably X Tina. Mm. Um, probably maybe Lana Del Rey. Just oh, yes, to get a little funky, get a little different. That's like the Charlie's Angels. Remember when they tried to do like the female, like feminist yes. Charlie's Angels? They did a good job with that song. I thought Miley Cyrus would be great in the lineup. She would be. I'm trying to think who else? Cardi B. <laughs> Cardi over Nikki. Um. I don't know. I mean, I like Nicki Minaj. I mean, I guess they could both. Does it have to be four? Well, who's Maya? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I guess Cardi. But then who's Missy Elliott? Can Missy Elliott come back? But Maya sings, though. Car- do- are you going to get Cardi to she sing? She doesn't really sing on her own. Yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe Nicki Minaj. She can kind of sing. But you can pick. So, like, if Gaga's Christina. Yeah. Your pink is Miley? I don't know. I didn't say Miley. Okay, I mean Lana. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Lana? But I don't or know if she she's Maya. She might be Maya. That she's would make Maya. more sense because she's more musical. Like, she's not like, she doesn't have that, like, oh, like, she doesn't, whatever, that rasp. Like, is it belting? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, Nick. Help me. Who else? Who? I mean, who would you pick? I would pick Miley Cyrus as pink. I would do Nicki Minaj as Little Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would do. I like the idea of Lana Del Rey. But no, but that's like copying the Charlie's Angels thing. Yeah, it kind of is. But that was a great. I love the tone change. Like she just, I don't know. I did too. That was the best part of that song. Yeah. Who else? Who's a popular singer nowadays? That's what I'm trying to think. Dua Lipa? 
Dula Peep? Peep? Nah, she's not making it. She's not making the cut. It's hard. It's like a spice as uh, Missy Elliott. Yeah. Um, who else? I can't think of. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I'm on, same. That's why I'm like, this singers. is this is hard. Oh, you know what? <laughs> this is a weird mashup, but maybe like Olivia Rodrigo as Maya. Oh, okay. Her or okay. So my lineup. Mm-hmm. Smiley's pink. Yes. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo is Maya. Maybe like um. But see, the thing is, is like we don't have any like sassy singers nowadays. So you'd have to pick Ariana <laughs> Grande. Singers are not sassy enough. We're like forced to pick Ariana Grande. It seems to be Christina. Oh. If we're doing like like younger singers. Yeah. I feel like she's the only one that could do it justice. She's the only like Christina of our generation. I mean, I did see her singing some opera the other day, and I was pretty impressed. But anyways. Anyways, it's not the same. Nothing will ever beat the original four ladies. Definitely not. Oh, maybe like a Beyonce, Rihanna. Yes. I know. I was thinking that too. I saw Rihanna, and I was like, oh, maybe her. Nicki Minaj. Or like a Billie Eilish as a pink. With her like little voice, It'd be interesting. With with Beyonce with and Beyonce, Rihanna, I think. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun juxtaposition. I think just like every singer, including all the original Lady Marmalades, <gasps> like it's like a montage. Like you know how the the celebrities used to do. What was it they did for like? Um, oh my god, are we thinking of the same? We're thing? thinking of the same thing. What is it like? What is that fund or like? What is uh, like it? Stand for the, up to cancer. The kids the children have you seen the stand-up for cancer one where that like rihanna and miley cyrus are next to each other and miley cyrus is being like annoying hannah montana voice and rihanna looks like fed up mm-hmm. like that yeah with fergie yes mariah oh fergie has to be there and they all just are in a line trying to out sing each She's other gonna sing like the national anthem style fergie is and people are gonna be cringing oh i, I love it gotta love it <laughs> But back to Moulin Rouge. Yes. So Moulin Rouge is a jukebox musical romantic drama. Wow. That's an interesting way to put it. I mean, it's pretty accurate, though. Yes. What's your relationship with this film? I remember seeing it like pretty soon after it came out. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I remember I remember being way more obsessed with the music video than the movie itself. But I remember thinking Mm -hmm. the movie was so cool. Like, I remember being like, whoa. I feel like I'm in Paris. Ooh, the Moulin Rouge. I'm like, ooh, sateen. Visually, this movie is stunning. Yeah, it is. I never really questioned, like, how fever dreamy it feels, but I love it. I don't know. I just, like, mostly was obsessed with the Lady Marmalade of it all. I feel like that. Of course, Missy Elliott, I was obsessed with her. Yeah. That had the chokehold on that time for me yes i remember seeing like the video so much for some reason just on tv normal Mm -hmm. tv because i remember watching the movie on tv as well Hmm. did you see this movie in theaters no but i saw it on dvd so i think i was more obsessed with as a kid like the lady marmalade music video but Mm -hmm. also the idea of like it being in paris and like musicals and like and I was very into to that as like a flamboyant theater kid. So same. I was never like a flamboyant theater kid, but I was always obsessed with musicals. So maybe 
Maybe on the, I don't know, maybe somewhere there's a theater kid that just <laughs> never found a theater. I don't know. Never too late. This podcast is your <laughs> But, so yeah, Baz Luhrmann, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on him and his style? Because it's definitely a very prominent style. It is. I mean, I enjoy it. Um, I love how he takes you on a journey. I like I think it's interesting how he does these movies that have they're like about history, like things that have happened, but like he makes the story his own. Like it's not really historically accurate, but it's fun. It's um, like reinterpreted. It's reinterpreted. Yeah, and I like how he uses music and stuff to tell a story. Um I don't know, I feel like I'm along for the ride. It's like you got to strap in cuz you're about to be on like a roller coaster. Oh yeah, I think Baz Luhrmann films are like the most. They're maximalist. Yes. They're like they're like three hours long, but somehow fast paced. Yes, that's what I was thinking. This movie, I looked at, I'm like, it's two hours. I don't remember it being this long. And when I watched it, the way it's cut up, there's like so many scenes that are like, it's like so fast. It's like you hit fast forward. You know, I think Baz Luhrmann's style is very much like. If you had ADHD. Yes. It's, you know, like one minute you're singing, one minute you're singing this, one minute you're looking at this, one minute you're doing this, which I appreciate. Yeah. To be honest. He wastes no that, time. Yeah. But, but somehow it ends up being so long. Who, who knows? Like we watched Elvis. Yes. A couple months ago, which I wasn't a huge fan of. I feel like Baz Luhrmann turned it a little it was it was too much of like a like I think for Elvis it's very interesting. I think like Baz Luhrmann's films, if they're good or not, based solely on like the subject matter. You think so? For me, how so? I think Baz Luhrmann's really good at the maximalist, like like fast paced, like visual, like feast, yeah, kind of thing. And I think for like someone like Elvis, it's a weird thing because it's it's like his story. You don't get to see his story a lot. Oh. So it's 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 more like I wanted more of that or actually wanted to like sink my teeth into Austin Butler's performance more a lot Elvis. More. But I understand like the opulence of Elvis and why like that would be a good fit for a Baz Luhrmann film. Or like The Great Gatsby. I feel like of course when you think of the party scenes and like the Gatsby parties, Baz Luhrmann. But it's also like there is like story there. But that could be fun. It's interesting. It's I think Baz Luhrmann really. This is his best movie. Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like Elvis. It had some like similarities to Moulin Rouge, like the the style in a way, but the story. I, when you take someone as big as Elvis too, and you, you kind of, I feel like there is like an expectation of like, I don't know. I mean, it does focus on Elvis, but it's not like you don't go that deep. It's very surface level. It covered like his whole entire life in one movie or something crazy, right? It wasn't like, yeah, I thought it was going to get kind of into it, but it doesn't. But I really enjoyed Great Gatsby. I feel like that one. But I don't know if it's better than Moulin Rouge. I kind of want to rewatch that. That one, I feel like I'm a little biased because I saw it in theaters and I remember it was a big deal at the time. Also had Lana Del Rey. Well, Young music. and Beautiful is the best song. Should have gotten nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Justice for Young and Beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I can't stand Tobey Maguire, so I think that's also a discrepancy. Oh, yeah, minus points. 
I get it. Uh, no, Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge for me are like top tier Bassarmen. Yes, actually, yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Big fan of the Red Curtain trilogy. Same. And then Baz Luhrmann, I I like him, but as okay, I like likened his directing style like his movies to like being like having adhd right however speaking of adhd i find it very difficult besides moulin rouge to watch a baz Luhrmann film in the comfort of my home i need a movie theater i I can't like sit still for three hours oh interesting what what does that mean like that i just can't sit still i think (laughs) i think that just means like what are the odds? But Moulin Rouge, you can. Like, it'll yes. get your focus. Like, what do you think is different, though? Like, just... It's a little shorter. <laughs> I, I think it just comes down to that. Like... Okay, yeah. Because I... Because I... Yeah, no, three hours is, like, yeah. a little much. You don't really need all that. Yeah, if Moulin Rouge was, like... Lo- I feel like it hits all the beats. It does. I feel like if it was, like, 30 minutes more, I would have... That being said, last night when I rewatched Moulin Rouge, I did stand up and like go to Seven Eleven, get a an ice cream, and then come back. So I don't know why I thought you were gonna say you stood up and clapped like at a theater. And I also did that. I really did. Like this movie just puts me in such a good mood. Yeah, it's like makes me believe in love. Same. It surprisingly gets me in the feels. Like at the end, like I don't expect. Like I'm just having a good old time, and then I feel like it gets real for like two seconds, and you're like, oh love love well i mean love is a very splendid thing yeah you know like love love is all we need love is love lifts us up where we belong (laughs) my gosh so moulin rouge opens with our lead christian played by ewan mcgregor Mm -hmm. who looks the most handsome he's ever looked yes has the biggest blue eyes and he can sing the most beautiful voice and he's sensitive so sensitive this man looks like he he's about to cry at every moment because he just like loves love so much Mm -hmm. such a hopeless romantic um and he's a writer and we kind of see the movie through his eyes i enjoy that but he meets john leguizamo um you know our favorite dwarf our favorite little person yeah john like he is well he's is he really no he's not is he this i was thinking about that too i'm like is this like another like tiptoe situation did we talk about this movie we've never talked about tiptoes we only watched it in our own time with friends <laughs> gary oldman and tiptoes that made me think of john Leguizamo in this movie but they did a better job of hiding it in this movie like it looked a little more natural than in tiptoes that was like is this problematic? I don't. I mean, I'm not saying it. They should have cast it that way. I'm just saying it's a problematic fave. It might be. Yeah. Mark, he does save the day. Spoiler alert. So he does. Yeah, I feel like this movie might be a little problematic. You know, I mean, but in a good way. I mean, okay, if Taylor Swift can date Maddie Healy, my problematic king, mm-hmm. and like everyone's all of a sudden okay with it, we can let this movie slide. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think just like, this once. I think it's like Maddie Healy problematic. It's not like a real problem. Mm. It's not hurting anybody. It's just the Bohemian lifestyle, right? Yeah, yes, just like the lead singer of the 1975. Oh yeah, he kind of does give me that that vibe. 
For sure. He's like Christian if Christian only, like, only got in touch with the green fairy like all the time. <laughs> yeah. And that like, was a trippy smoke. scene, by the way. I really yes. enjoyed the green fairy scene. Like where they drink the absinthe and she's just like talking to him. She's like, woo, it's Kylie Minogue. I love it. As a kid, that's the scene that vibed with me hard. Same. And still today, I'm like, oh my God, I want to be the green fairy. Uh, I want to hang out with her. She just seems cool. <laughs> yes. She dances. She does like like a 2012 music video style like shimmy where there's multiple green fairies. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love how the effects go full force right from the get go in this movie too. Which, like, does this movie hold up visually? Um, maybe not completely. It's close. I mean, it doesn't not. It's not like so shoddy that you're like, oh, this is, I don't think it's that bad. You know, I don't think it's like really cheesy or like too, I think, for the, yeah, I feel like it does. I mean, it's obvious that it's an effect. It's not like how some, you know, maybe nowadays it might be a little more refined and look like a. Like, not everything's super crisp in this movie, but I don't know if it has to be. I kind of like the film graininess of it. Maybe that adds to it. It's also like the 1900s, right? So isn't that part of the aesthetic? I think isn't so. is that what he does? He I, likes the yeah. grit? I don't know. I like that. Well, I, I was going to say, I think like this movie surprisingly holds up very well. And I think it's timeless in a, a kind of an unintentional, maybe intentional way. But yeah, like like you were saying, it's supposed to look like... 1900 1899 you know paris with the grain so i think i think it's just at the right spot where like technology in 2001 wasn't so far from now yeah but also that they were trying to look like they were back then but heightened and i think i think it just works perfectly i think it works if it was any or if it was like in the 90s like in 99 98 like maybe not yeah. maybe the effects wouldn't hold up you know yeah it's so funny like we really like stepped our i was gonna say pussy up you know <laughs> rupaul comes through me but we really stepped it up yeah like as soon as like the millennium was about to hit i notice in film like if a movie comes out in 2000 or later like even if it's really bad or if it's really good, have you noticed that like something about that new millennium energy, people are like, mm-hmm. I just got to go ham on this. I got to like. Yeah, it's a thing. I don't know if we're ever going to get that again, that new millennium energy. That I don't hope again. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, because everything is so like I literally like, well, I did go see a Marvel movie, not to make it all about Marvel movies, but they they were advertising the next like. I don't I don't remember what it was, but it was another Marvel movie, but it was like even more crazy with effects and stuff. And it was just so obvious, the explosion, like it's a little too much, like almost like just putting it there just because they can without a purpose. I don't know. It really bugs me. But it's like, oh, the effects look good. But like, yeah, where do we go from here? We already have like such good effects. I don't know. I don't think anything is going to be the same as like the excitement in the early 2000s when things were on and popping. Yeah, or it was like you got to step it up because we're into a new, new millennium. New millennium. Yeah, we're in the future. Yeah, it was like we're in the future. You got to get your shit together. Um, so yeah, so the film opens with Christian, who's a writer, loves love, and drinks the absinthe from the green fairy, mm-hmm. and meets this gaggle of bohemian writers. 
and they take him to the Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And so can we talk about that opening scene when they go into the Moulin Rouge? Oh, my God. I love this scene. I think it's one of my favorites. It's so wacky. I feel like you only need to watch the first 30 minutes of Moulin Rouge to like really be like, bravo. Because mm-hmm. like the, the can-can mixed with Lady Marmalade mm-hmm. into Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. And then you're introduced to Satine. And like the world opens up and so does Christian. His world opens up and she's up on the like swing. It's like a swing, yeah. Singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Elegantly crowd surfing. I love it. I love the aesthetic. I love her outfits for both of these numbers that she does. They're stunning. Just saying. Oh, yeah. um, Nicole Kidman looks the best she's ever looked as Satine, too. Totally. And the red hair really works for her. The red lip. And, like, the light, whenever it shines on her, makes her look like she has, like, the bluest eyes, the reddest lips, the reddest hair, the palest skin. The pa- yeah. It's such a vibe. Such a vibe. Well, what are your thoughts on Nicole Kidman? I for- love, I love Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I'm like, let me stop you with that. I love Nicole Kidman. I don't know. I also she, love Nicole Kidman. She can do no wrong. Everything that I've seen her in, I'm always, I don't think she's made any junk. I haven't seen Bewitched, but that's the only thing I can think of. I but- think it was good. I think I saw it, but I only like, it's such a vague memory. I love Nicole Kidman, though. I loved her in Practical Magic. I love her in Death. Not Death Becomes Her. What is the one who she's in that she's, like, to die for? Mm. I love all the early Nicole Kidman. And then it's really cool that this movie came out after Eyes Wide Shut. Of course, she gets to work with her then-husband Tom Cruise and Kubrick. Mm -hmm. But then she gets divorced from Tom Cruise. And you get that iconic, like, Woo! when she signs her divorce papers and she's like looking really excited i love that and um i feel like this is like her even though she for like a decade or more wasn't like a famous hollywood actress this was her debut Oh, okay like this is like cemented her as soon as she came out on that swing she became the star just like satine and it became a real actress like satine always wanted wow that's beautiful because after this she gets her first oscar nomination for moulin rouge mm-hmm. doesn't win but then the next year the hours, the hours yeah and she wins by a nose. By a nose. Well, she deserved it. She was so good. And that's such a different role than Satine. You know what I mean? She has Truly. range. Truly. And she just, ever since. I think there's also something about her, like the way she brings emotion to a character is really convincing. You know? She's almost in looks and just like her perso- like her just presence on stage it's very our screen. It's very she's like an alien, yeah. like in the, in a good way. She's a little mystical. Yeah, she like can portray like the depth of human emotion, but also something about her is like transcendent. We're all in love with Satine with Nicole Kidman oh, so much. I feel like Christian or <laughs> Ian McGregor. Is it Ewan? Ewan? Ewan. That's how you say his name? Ewan? Ewan McGregor. That's how I've always heard it. Really? Yeah. Is that how you say it, though? Ewan, I'm I'm sure. 
Hmm. Unless it's like a, because he's either Scottish or Irish, unless it's like a, what is it? Sersha Ronan. Oh, yeah. Such situation. Gotcha. Sersha Washington. Yeah. That's my Sean Connery. Sersha Washington. Actually, that's pretty good. Sersha Washington. Anyways. Whoa. I'm Sean Connery. <laughs> Nikki. I mean, Sean. I'm late to the party. <laughs> um. Well, he was in like Danny Boyle's early film. So he's in like Shallow Grave and Train Spotting. And then. And I think around this time, he's doing the Star Wars prequels. Oh, gotcha. Which I, I don't, I'm either here nor there on Hewan McGregor. Yeah, I know a lot of people love him. He's never my man. Like, we put this on and my, my fiance was like, oh, is that Jude Law? And I was like, no, that's <laughs> not Jude Law. <laughs> Close. That's my man. <laughs> what if it was Jude Law? Would you feel differently? Like, would you be... More in love with that character? No, because Jude Law has this schmarminess about him yeah. that I love, but it doesn't work for Christian. It wouldn't, wouldn't fit. Ewan play, McGregor plays this so, so like his heart on its sleeve, so vulnerable. Like he's, he's great. Yeah. I wouldn't want it any other way. I agree. He's perfect. Yeah. Also, Jim Broadbent, who's in every single movie from 2001, is in this as well. Yes. What is up with that? Like... He was booked and busy from like 1998 to 2004. Good for him. Yes. Get it. No crumbs left. (laughs) Dude, when he sings, and I were skipping ahead, but when he puts the little doilies over his head and Uh sings like a virgin. Yes. That's his magnum, like opus. I lost it. That scene was funny. Because also the backup dancer, like everyone's like, they're just like, yes, anding, I guess. And yeah. he's just cracking me up. Like this whole movie, his character is basically like trying to keep Satine's lies straight and like cover for her. <laughs> I love when he basically comes to her because, you know, she thinks Satine meets Christian mm-hmm. and they do fall in love, which we'll talk about because that scene's iconic. Yeah. But... She thinks he's the Duke, and there's this, like, comedy of errors type of deal mm-hmm. where the real Duke comes up to her room, and there's, like, this back and forth. Yeah, like, very... to read her poetry. She's like, ooh, a poetry reading. I know what that means. Yes. Yeah. But Jim Broadbent, like, halfway through the movie, once he, like, finds out about this ruse, because, like, Christian, like, they're like, oh, he's just... The writer. There's nothing going on between him and Satine. Even though it's so obvious the whole time. Oh, yeah. They're, like, not inconspicuous at all. Not at all. They're spicuous. They're very spicuous. Um, But Jim Broadbent like, comes up to her and is basically like, don't fuck this up. Yes. Like, what are you doing? He does. He has, like, a moment. He's like, we got to have some real talk. Yeah. But before that, you're, you were talking about, like, they're up in Satine's room. Yes, because he, like, somehow Toulouse arranges for Christian to meet Satine. And she keeps saying, like, yeah, like you're saying, it's a comedy of errors. What is his name? I'm trying to, what is, I don't remember what Jim Broadbent's character's name, Do, Mr. Ke- not Keegler, something with a. Mr. Jim Broadbent. Mr. Jim Broadbent. Why did I not 
write this down. It's so funny when you write notes on a movie and you just don't write down the most basic things. Well, it's like Maggie Smith in the First Wives Club. She's Maggie She's Smith. Maggie Smith. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You know who, who Jim I mean. Broadbent? He's just he's Jim just Broadbent. He's just Jim Broadbent. Yeah. He just has a different hairstyle or something. For sure. Different, like, interesting mustache. Yeah. I love his mustache. It's wild. Um, But Satine is, like, trying to seduce Christian. Yes. Which is hilarious. I love this scene. Like, even before when she's like, ooh, does he like something something or some temptress? And, like, she's doing, like, little, like, who, who, who? Yeah. It's cute. I love when he goes to actually read poetry and she misinterprets it. She's like, ooh, naughty words. Ooh. She's like, talk dirty to me or something. But she's like, yes, don't stop. And he's just like, uh... He's like trying to tell her a real poem and he's just clearly uncomfortable. The most earnest dude on the planet. And she's pulling a share from Clueless like on the bed. Like, do you remember that scene when she's like pushing her hair back? She falls off the bed. Yeah. That's like Satine. She's so over the top. It's it's hilarious. Amazing. But my favorite part and maybe my favorite part of the whole entire movie. Oddly. Okay. One of my favorite parts. Is when Christian sings your song. Yes. Because his just voice is so beautiful. It is. Who would not fall in love with that? You know, if someone just sang that to you. And I love how this movie for like you have to in, to enjoy Moulin Rouge, you have to buy into this fantasy mm-hmm. right out the gate or it's just going to be like really cheesy and not work. But I buy into this fantasy every time. You have to. But I love like especially in your song where he's trying to give her the poetry and he's like singing or saying the lyrics to your song where he's like, if I was a sculptor, but then again, no, uh-huh. she's like, not getting it. No, until he sings it. But like, I get like amped. I'm like, he's about to sing. Yeah. You feel it coming. You're like, you yeah. know, yeah. I love how the way he sings too. He's almost like, he doesn't say shut up woman, but it's like almost like, cause she's still like being over the top and he's just like, goes for it and then she's like oh okay she like calms down she's like oh he's being real i don't know so so good and then they dance in the moonlight later after well am i skipping no let's talk about it because that's my second favorite part of the movie yeah i mean i guess the duke comes in and then there's a whole thing where she has to hide the duke and they fall in love you know because all you need is love which christian says like 10 times which is a great bit. And they somehow get the Duke to pay for this whole shenanigan, which I think is great. Yes. For their like whole love affair. <laughs> yeah. Which <sighs> is awesome. Yeah. But they sing One Day I'll Fly Away. And Nicole Kidman has a lovely voice. She does. I feel like everyone in this movie can really sing. And it's it's really nice. Which I did find out, unfortunately, our man Jim Broadbent, Jimmy B., that is not his voice. That is an opera singer's voice. Wait, oh, uh, you know what? Okay, when they do the shot of him, you know when they're dancing outside and they're kind of in the moon, like they're like floating around like the Eiffel Tower, and then there's the moon, and it's very like reminiscent of Teletubbies, yeah. where Jim Broadbent's just in the moon. It's like his face and his big old mustache. Well, he's my second favorite Teletubby. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's like Dipsy Lala and Jim Broadbent. No, I think... Tinky Wink. Okay, if I'm going to rank the Teletubbies, <laughs> Tinky Winky, Jim Broadbent. <laughs> Whoa. Poe. 
Uh-huh. Lala. Lala's last? Yeah, Lala's boring. Yeah, true. Anyways, that's, <laughs> my, that's my definitive ranking of the Telling Tuppies. I like it. That makes so much sense, though, because when he's up in the moon singing like that, he's like, oh, and I'm like, I'm like, wait, he can sing like that? I didn't know. I remember, but I bought into it because I'm in yeah. on the fantasy, so I was convinced. I thought that was him. But now that I think about it and compared to that scene where he sings like a virgin, it definitely, something doesn't add up. I buy it. To me, it's all Jim Broadbent. Yeah. Dang, that really disappoints me. <laughs> it's okay. I'll get over it. But when they sing One Day, I'll Fly Away, mm-hmm. the production design, like, it's just great. I love the scene of, like, the Moulin Rouge, like, the setting. Like, not in the Moulin Rouge, but, like, outside, outside. of Paris. And, like, you can see the wheel yes. at all points when you're in, like, their apartments or their, you know, dressing room. I love that. I love, too, when they're, like, you, you know something... That I didn't really realize. And maybe this is something you already know because you're, I feel like you're, you notice little things in film and like connections. When I was watching them like singing to each other and like floating in the sky, I'm like, wait a minute, that's La La Land. La La Land took this from Moulin Rouge. I just, I didn't realize that. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. Ever since 2017, when we watched the Academy Awards and La La Land lost Uh to Moonlight. I have not thought about La La Land since. Well, I thought about it just because I'm like, why? I think because when I saw La La Land, I saw that in a theater Mm -hmm. and I don't, I didn't see Moulin Rouge in the theaters, but that scene of just people floating and falling in love, like in the sky is just, I remember thinking to myself, it reminds me of something and then it all clicked. Moulin Rouge set the blueprint. That's all I'm saying. The La La Land. Yeah. Which also, they do have an argument. So can I get your thoughts on the Satine Christian argument? Where Satine is like, hey, buddy, I love you. Uh Dude, I love you. However, I'm a lady of the night. Yeah. Because, like, I don't have anything else. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like low key dying. That's what she says in more or less words. Yeah. But it's a secret. That's her secret. She's dying of tuberculosis. Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah. She's got the Poe. Mm-hmm. Not the telly. Not the, the Edgar Allen. Mm-hmm. And so that's a valid point that she's like, you'd be destitute and I, I can't be destitute and live on the streets uh-huh. just for love. You know, the Duke. I want to be a real actress, and the Duke has money and yeah. is funding the Moulin Rouge, essentially. Yeah, well, he takes the deed. Yeah. So he has to, I don't know, they kind of have to do what he says, I guess. He owns the place now. So he kind of owns her. Yeah, basically, yeah. Essentially. But then Christian's like, but like, love. <laughs> That's his answer for everything. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, love lifts us up where we belong. I love that he says that so much. All you need is love. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Whose side are you on? Are you team Satine or team Christian? I think I'm team Christian, but I I hear what Satine's saying. Also, you probably shouldn't trust a lady. Then you should not fall in love 
with a lady of the night. I'm with that guy yes. who sings Roxanne and he tries to be like, you know, you, get, you really should have fallen in love with a lady of the night. It's only going to end up to heartbreak and disappointment. Not that I've ever fallen. I don't know, but I'm sure. It just I, seems like common sense. I know we're skipping ahead and stuff, but yeah, I love that scene where he's saying it and then basically all the dancers in the Moulin Rouge are like, come on, man. Yeah. Still doesn't get it. Christian's like really, I don't know, head over heels, I guess. He is. It's because he wears a fedora sometimes to write. Does he really? A fedora and a scarf. He was. He, he was did have a scarf. Yeah. Properly like a 2010s hipster before one. Yeah. I'm like, wait, that's definitely not historically accurate. Was it? Maybe. Did yeah. it have Maybe fedora? that's where they got it from. Maybe. That gives me like Adam Lambert vibes. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> But what are you on his side of the argument? Or? Of course. Okay. Of course. I mean, I understand Satine. If I was Satine, I'd probably be, in, you know, a little more like I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do. Yeah. Gotta hustle before I die. I gotta be an actress. I, my, yeah. The clock's ticking. However, if I was going to die and I fell in love, I'd be caught up. Honestly, yeah. Why not? And she does get caught up. She does. So caught up. up. <laughs> Feel it. That'd be a fun song to throw in there. Oh my god. Can we do that in our fictitious remake? Yes. Well, I think in um I know that they did like a stage production mm-hmm. later based on the movie, but I, I've heard that there's like 80 songs in that one, which is insane. God. I don't know how you would do that. That seems like way too many. So I guess let's talk about the soundtrack then a little bit because this was pretty new at the time, dare I say revolutionary, for like the mashup of songs. Like before there was like a pitch perfect or whatever. This kind of takes, yeah, the jukebox musical, but it's songs that we know. And it's like reinterpretations of those songs. Yes. What is your favorite song on the album? Or not album, but like soundtrack. Um... I mean, I gotta say Lady Marmalade. <laughs> um, but other than that, I really do like your song, like the way that they use it as like the the love anthem. It's the glue that holds it together. Um I'm trying to think what else is on there. Oh, they oh man, hold on. What was oh, I will always love you. I yes. loved when they sang that to each other because that it was such a brief moment, but it fits so perfectly. Like the montage, it was really cool how they just kind of go from one song to the next and make it work for the story. Like that is really cool. I love that. Oh, I also love like this isn't a cover, but I love Come What May. Come What May, yeah. Which is one? that a real song? Mm-hmm. I mean, like a real song that Who's was that written. From? From this movie. Oh, but it was written for the movie. Like, it wasn't... Okay, the okay. this still makes me salty to this day. So it was not eligible for a nomination for Best Song at the Academy Awards because it was not specifically written for the movie. What was it written for? It was just a song written. And I guess their weird stipulation is it had to be written... For the movie or in the movie con, they're always for best song changing their the rules. rules. Oh, and it infuriates me because come what may, dude, did it's did, an original song though. Yeah, it should have been. It it just should have been. So it's like a technicality they got mm-hmm. them on, but really, 
probably was written for the movie, but not, or no, was it just adjacent? They're like, oh, this is a good song. Yeah, but I think like in a different time. How would they even know if it was for the movie or not? Because it's the committee. They're always, they're like grilling people. Yeah. Was this for the movie? I feel like. Or did you just write this? They're all Jim Broadbent in this movie. Every member of the Academy. Yeah. And all the people who decide all those things. Mm. They're just like. Doon, 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 doon. <laughs> Roxanne. Yeah. They're always singing Roxanne, even though Jim Broadbent didn't sing that. But I think everyone should sing Roxanne. <laughs> you know, this movie does remind me. Of Shakespeare and love a little bit. I was thinking that too, especially because of the theme being love. Well, it's also like truth and some other crap, but really it's love, right? That's the mm-hmm. most important thing. The greatest thing you'll ever learn is to, to be lo- loved and love in return. Oh, yeah, that one. So every millennial on Pinterest in 2013. I agree with you, though. It's very reminiscent of um, Shakespeare and love. It was just without the, it's Shakespeare in Love is very similar, but without the music and without someone like in disguise, but there's still some, there's a ruse going on. Yes. And lovers are being torn apart. Someone's trying to get shot in a theater. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Okay. I guess, do you want to briefly touch on the big like drama in the movie? The big drama? It's that the Duke finds out Christian and Satine's little tryst. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of drama. And then Satine is like, well, since I'm a lady of the night proper Mm -hmm. to make you happy, I'll like sleep with you. Uh And Christian is in his feels. Oh, yeah. Like singing songs like he's Drake. (laughs) Just crying all the time. I can't get it together. Mm Mm-mm. Any, any, thoughts? any thoughts? I mean, I don't know. He's kind of a baby, to be honest. I mean, he's she's a lady of the night. She's got to do what she's got to do. I just think it gets complicated and messy. And I don't know. Because, you, you know, how long can you have an affair like that go on? Because, like, what? Is she going to marry the Duke? And and then what? They're still going to be secret lovers? I mean, is that how are they going to work that out? I know. But then also Christian, like Satine is in Christian's play, mm-hmm. which is in India uh-huh. inspired like romance. Yes. And basically it's kind of like his vehicle to perfect, like show his love, I guess, or to show their relation. I don't know. It's how would you describe it? Well, I mean, yeah, it basically is. I think they just threw this play together, though. They just made the plot up real quick on the fly. Cause they're, oh, yes. And so I feel like that's part of it, but it's definitely reflecting where they are right now in their relationship. It's like in that one scene where the Duke is giving like his revisions for the play mm-hmm. and Christian is over there just being in wherever the writers are. And... The Duke is like, she shouldn't end up with the poor writer guy. Yeah, he gets so mad. Christian's like, he, she doesn't love you. Yes, that part. Oh, my God. I wrote that part down. I laughed so hard. Yeah, because it's so intense. Like, you can cut, like, you could feel, like, the tension with a knife. Like, it's so, 
Because, yeah, he's like, I don't like this scene. Why would he end up with the penniless uh, sitar player when the... It's like there's subtext. Like, you can feel... Uh You know that they know something else is going on. I don't know. Isn't that also, like, soon after she was, like, kissing him in the theater? Like, at the rehearsal, like, very out in the open. Like, that's another thing. They were getting a little messy. Yeah, they were getting messy. Like, they weren't trying to really hide it, which is really dumb because... But love sweeps you away. Yeah. And lifts us up where we belong. It I know. Does. Love is a many splendid thing. Yeah. Which do you have any thoughts on the play? The play itself? Mm-hmm. Like you mean the like the in play the movie? in the movie. Okay, cool. Um I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I don't really understand. I mean, I guess no, I don't understand what's happening, honestly, because there's a sitar player. I get that. And then there's the the Maharaj. Is that what he's called? The yes. guy, the rich man? And then the sitar comes to life. Toulouse-Lautrec is the sitar player, or the sitar itself. I don't know. That's really wacky, but I love it. Um, I love the day. I think the choreography was good. Her headdress and her costume, Satine. Oh, yeah, the gorge. costume. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of, do you remember the In My Pocket music video of Mandy Moore? Mm. She's like, all the pen is in my pocket. And she's like, do-do-do-do. And there's like sitars. Ooh, I have to check that out. It, it kind of reminds me of that. I don't know why. Or like, um, do you remember music and lyrics? The pop star who's like singing like very like Middle Eastern inspired. Yes, I know the pop. Yeah, I remember that. Gives me those vibes. Um, I mean, the, I, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say the play was exciting. I mean, the best part though is when uh, the Duke's bodyguard is like up on the stage with the gun. Like that's when, like when the shit hits the fan, is when I get really excited. Cause I'm like, Same. oh, the drama. I love that part because it's like the yeah, yeah. Like, Don't shoot Christian. But um, oh, I I have a note. Okay, so she does in like an India inspired diamonds are a girl's best friend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is this because Satine in real life chooses diamonds over love? Hmm. Yeah, she kind of does for a moment there, doesn't she? A little bit. And she pushes Christian away, but to save him because the Duke wants to kill Christian. It's so calm. Yeah, there's a lot happening. It's not because that's what her heart wants. No. But she does have that dream to be an actress. So that kind of helps, but. But I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I just wrote the choreography slaps. Um, hmm. Yeah, this time I, I didn't write as many notes, but it's all up here. <laughs> yeah, so are we just at the ending scene now, or what are... Yeah, basically. So she does choose love. Oh, I know what it is. She tells him... Doesn't she tell him she's dying or something? Is that what... Well, no, 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 not yet. Well, homegirl keeps passing out all the time, too, so... Basically, oh, he tries to yeah. pay her. He tries to pay. He's like, take my money, you. You ho. He's like, I just want to pay you for everything because all that time we spent together. Here's my money. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. That was like, that was not pretty. But it was like, I, I mean, he was really in his feels. Uh, yeah. And that's when the curtain goes up and they like they kind of they have to go with that part of the play. Yep. Like that. That was all part of it. And Jim Broadbent's like, ha ha! Yeah, he's like, hey, this is great, guys. 
That's like him the whole time, too. Just be like, tragedies are happening around him. Satine's dying. He's like, ha the show must go on. It wasn't that great, guys. She's, she meant to pass out. It is so... F- I love Nicole Kidman, and I love Ewan McGregor in this movie. Jim Broadbent, though, does have my heart. I don't know why. Something about him. Just his crazy eyeballs. His- so manic. So bulbous. <laughs> yeah. He's my man. Yeah. But I'm trying to like recap in my brain what happens, but it doesn't really matter what happens. It doesn't really matter. Basically, the Duke, I forget what happens to him because I'm all about love. Like Christian and Satine end up back together because Satine's like sobbing and she's like, I don't want to. Yeah. She sings a song to him, right? Mm -hmm. As he's leaving. And she's like, she sings there. I forgot what song. I don't know what song she sings. It's not your song, I don't think. I think it's, it's something. Come What May. Yeah. I think it's like a reprise. Okay, yeah. Who knew Nicole Kidman had such a great voice? I know. Properly lovely. But yeah, they get back together. And they're like, we'll run away. But then she gets Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. And she dies. But <laughs> Christian... Gets to write about it now. And that's it. The end. I love how it ends. It literally says the end. And then it's like. I love when movies say the end. I know every Baz Luhrmann movie says the end. But. You know, we don't see a lot of movies that just say the end anymore. You're right. Yeah. Or Finn. Yeah. Never make a movie. I wanted to say the end. Same. Well, now people don't do that. Speaking of the marvel of it all. They don't have endings. No. You gotta wait for all those credits. And this movie, you don't want to wait for credits. I actually, you know that this movie's like eight minutes of credits. Yes. Because like when I went to watch it, I remember close to like the end scene and being like, wait a minute. I think it's, I still have some time. It says I have time left in this movie. It's, it's long credits. Long credits. But there were so many people that worked on this film and... Yeah, I know they deserve to be recognized. Yeah. That's just cool. I just could not watch. I was like, well, I saw the movie. I fast forwarded, though. I'm like, are there any hidden scenes? But that's... Baz Luhrmann has, like, all of Australia, all of his friends, his Aussie friends. That's so cool. Which I love. Which, speaking of Aussie friends, Catherine Martin did the costume design. Right. That's his wife, that's right? That's his wife. And can we talk about the fashion? Because this movie... Last week, we talked about fashion films. Yes. But this is the ultimate fashion film. Because, so like the 18th century, like corsets and like all of the costumes in this movie are very Galliano inspired, Mm -hmm. which is fun because Galliano, especially in the 90s, early 2000s, he's repurposing, reinterpreting old silhouettes. Mm. And Moulin Rouge is also doing that because with its like music and, you know, just the way that they're talking about these, you know, bohemian, you know, like an older story. Yeah. But they're modernizing it Mm -hmm. with its music and its, you know, actors. And it's a reinterpretation of that. So I I think that's very cool. I love that. It really works. Yeah, because, like, the corsets and stuff. I really even love that, like, number, like, I guess her negligee or whatever you would call it. Like, the black, like, all black kind of. I love that. I love, I love the one, uh, the nude 
number mm. after she gets out of Diamonds of a or Girl's Best Friend. Yes. Like when she finally meets Christian. It's like it's very um every single pop star on stage now. Yeah. But it's it's really like fitted on the top and then Yeah. Yeah. So are you familiar with the whole story about how Vogue played a really important part in Moulin Rouge? I'm not. So according to Lerman the way that this movie came to be and the way that it was distributed and like the marketing for this film, they kind of went through the back door. It wasn't really traditionally marketed because he sent it to Anna Wintour. Wait, the movie? Mm Mm-hmm. He sent, you know, Anna Wintour a copy because the movie was supposed to be released in December 2000. Mm. But, you know... Post production, obviously, you can't get those green fairy effects, <laughs> you know, willy nil. No, but it was moved to the summer of 2001. But he just met Anna Wintour and really vibed with her, but was also like, I think the fashion and music could be the way that this movie gets marketed. Yes. And they even did like the promo shoot. For Vogue, like in the offices, and that, you know, became the promo shoot. Oh, wow. So, and have you seen Nicole Kidman on the cover of, I believe it's December 2000 Vogue? She's as Satine, Mm. and it's photographed by Amy Leibovitz. I feel like I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember that. That is iconic. Iconic. But yeah, this is like one of the first films that kind of, you know, we're entering the 2000s and that line between celebrity and fashion and film and Mm -hmm. all that stuff is getting blurred Blurred. Mm -hmm. because before it was very separated. Right. And just like in its own little pockets. Mm. So Baz Luhrmann said, when I grew up, there was a distinct line between fashion, film, music, high art, like opera and theater. They just didn't mix. And if you were hanging around fashion, you were kind of considered shallow. You couldn't be, you know, a substantial filmmaker if you cared about fashion. Oh, wow. That line disappeared in the early 2000s. That's a weird line to have. Because I think of fashion, like high fashion to such an esteem and then filmmaking. Like, I don't know. I feel like now the way we look at films and fashion, like it's totally different. Like, that's wild. Yeah. But there was a time that that was like, just not happening or like looked down upon yeah huh and i love i don't know i think like baz lerman was ahead of his time yeah and and did trailblaze a lot of things visually but also i love his his like visionary nature Mm. Of being like, oh, okay, you know, this movie, we're referencing fashion. Like, you know, we have this high esteem for fashion, high art, and we think Vogue, we got to, like, shoot our shot, you know? Like, we got to blend the two because this is, like, the perfect vehicle for it. That was a brilliant idea. Just having that vision because, yeah, I think in a lot of ways... Like, I don't remember a movie before this for a long while 
that was so integrated like the fashion and the music and everything yeah. is just so intertwined i don't know just celebrity too i don't know even the lady marmalade ladies oh yeah yeah just making that like a moment moments yeah like or the chanel like commercial well like, i love baz Luhrmann's nod to his own work i love that too yeah what is his star sign like what is his oh can we find out because i i wonder do you think he's a leo in my heart, I think so. Or like an Aquarius. No. Is he a Virgo? He was born on se- September 17th, 1962. Is he Virgo? He's a Virgo. I will just chalk it up to he's like Beyonce. <laughs> he's directing <laughs> she gives me Beyonce. Leo energy as well. But she's not a Leo, Virgo. she's a Virgo. That would make sense though. She gets all her things in a row and just... But she has to have some some fire sign energy Something. somewhere. Maybe in Mercury. Ooh, you think so? That's where mine. My Mercury is in Leo. Oh, yeah. You give me Leo energy. I know you're a Leo, but yeah. you don't give me Leo. Energy. It's okay. <laughs> but I know my rising sign is what the is Libra. That makes so much more sense because aren't you your rise like you pr- what you come off uh, come across to the world? Like I'm an Aquarius rising. Oh. I don't know any Aquarii, to be honest. So I don't know what that really means. Aquarius people are advanced, self-reliant, clever, exceptional, and optimistic. Um, free-spirited, eccentric, nonconformists. I'd say that's true. Uh, rebellious, progressive, innovative. They're either planning a revolution or proudly flaunting their funky fashion sensibility. That's you. They have an overlooked, sensitive side that requires appreciation, love, and support. They're intellectual, curious, deeply social, um, passionate about interpersonal dynamics, larger than life. So basically, (laughs) like a quirky Leo. A quirky Leo, right? (laughs) That makes sense. They're like, look at me. I'm not like other girls. (laughs) And Leo's like, I'm all the girls. I'm all the girls. I'm every woman. I'm every woman. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but what were we talking about? We're talking about Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Oh, Baz Luhrmann's Leo or Aquarius energy. Yes. But he's also meticulous and maybe Virgo, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, the pop culture of it all. I think we're just saying like the, the melding of like fashion and film and celebrity was really it, it was a great time for that it was he was a trailblazer definitely oh, what i was going to say about baz Luhrmann, he is such a i love him referencing himself yes. in the chanel number no. five ad in 2004 with nicole kidman who's in a gorgeous is that armani Privé dress is it don't i thought it was uh carl lagerfield no Carl, well, Carl Lagerfeld was at Chanel during that time. It is a Chanel number no. five commercial, but I don't believe the dress is Chanel. Uh, okay, it is Chanel. Sorry. Chanel. It is Chanel. But you know, it's really funny what he says, um, what Baz Luhrmann says about the commercial. He said he had made the ad at the request of Chanel's creative director, Jacques Hillou, and he said, I have no real experience of making an ad. But what I can 
make for you is a trailer for a movie that has never actually been made that is not about number five, but in which number five is the touchstone. Right on. Yeah. So it's really about the movie that he never made, I guess. I don't know. That was my interpretation of that quote. It is like Moulin Rouge reimagined. Mm-hmm. Reimagined. Yeah. He's like, Baz Luhrmann's like remixing himself. No, I love it. I love, I love that dress. I love that she rewore it. She remixed it for the Met Gala yeah. this year. But speaking of the Met Gala, mm-hmm. so this year it was Karl Lagerfeld was the theme. Right. Which, you know, he was at Chanel. He was at a lot. For like since 1984, I believe. And mm-hmm. Before that, he designed for Chloe. Yeah. But what did you think about the Met Gala this year? I mean, there was a few a few interesting fits, you know? I mean, I, I will say Anne Hathaway, I think, like, takes the cake. Like, that was my favorite. I think she had the best outfit. I think Versace did, we'll pull the Moulin Rouge, but also it was so perfect, like how, like, a theme for the Met Gala is, in my mind, supposed to be. Where it looks Versace, like very Versace, but mm-hmm. also very like Chanel. Yeah, it's perf- the perfect melding of the two styles. I love like the pins holding the dress together. I love the little like skin showing through. Like it's kind of sexy, but it's classy. I mean, I even love how Anne Hathaway's hair is done up. Like a bouffant. It is like a bouffant. I don't know. It's very bombshell. Yeah. Which I have a bone to pick with this year. And, like, the whole theme. Really? Well, so, like, Karl Lagerfeld at Chanel. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you can wear. Mm -hmm. That you can reimagine for this carpet, right? Right. They only did black and white. Wait, really? I didn't see but Emma Chamberlain. You know, like, like, um, Chanel in, like, the mid-90s? Mm-hmm. Like, with all the tweet, not tweet, like, colorful tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what and, you're talking about. Or, like... It's almost pastel-y. Yeah. No one wore that, except Emma Chamberlain. No one wore the reference to... It's not Claudia Schaefer. I believe it's Carla Bruni. One of the 90s supermodels wearing the Chanel bikini. No one went for it. No one did Chanel spring-summer 1996. That is awful. And it's 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 inju- an injustice. <laughs> but what about Jared Leto's like a cat? What was that? like what were your thoughts on that? Like I mean, cuz that to me, like I it's kind of fun, but it's also not really fashion. Yeah, no comment. Uh <laughs> I would rather talk about Doja Cat. Yes. Oh my gosh, she actually she understood the assignment. She she, she was shoe pet. Right? Yeah. She she did the thing. She did. It was the opposite of her quote. It gave what it needed to give, mm-hmm. and it continued to be giving. Yeah, it's iconic. Like she transformed into a literal cat, and better, better like makeup and effects than the that is it twenty nineteen cats. Yes, <laughs> that's she what was they what should have been. been. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> but any more thoughts on Moulin Rouge before we? sign off i think doja cat could be in the lady marmalade sorry oh yes you know she did cross my mind i don't know why i didn't say her name um it's 
Doja Cat as Chupette. Meow, 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 meow. You know what? Speaking of, I actually have a few facts about that song. Go for it, girl. Um, well, I guess it'd be the 2001 version of that song, mm-hmm. right? It reached number one in its eighth week on the U.S. Billboard. Five. It spent five weeks at the top. Just saying. We were all bopping. We were all summer. It also holds the record for the longest reigning number one Billboard's mainstream top 40 chart for an all-female collaboration, topping the chart for nine consecutive weeks. So, and try to beat that, people. You can't. <laughs> um, oh, and the video won MTV Video Music Awards Best Video of the Year and Best Video for a Film. Uh, the song won a 2002 Grammy Award uh, in the category of Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals. And, I mean, there's some people might say that it's one of the most iconic music videos of our time. Dare I say. Yeah, I would agree. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, before we wrap up, mm. box office. Oh, box office. Yeah, we didn't talk about the box have office. You done any research on the box office? I have not. Okay. So number one was Pearl Harbor this week. So it came out. It came out in New York and L.A. on May eighteenth, two thousand one. Mm. But it was released nationally on the first of June, oh one. Number one was Pearl Harbor. We were still into that apparently. Hmm. But. Do you know what number two was at the box office this week? Yes. (laughs) For like the umpteenth week. And it continues throughout the summer. Obviously. Shrek, 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 Shrek. 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 Um, So Shrek. And then number three, which beat out because Moulin Rouge is in the fourth spot. You will never guess what was third at the box office this week. I will never get... Okay, so Mulan Rouge is fourth. Mm-hmm. Shrek is first. No. No second. Second. But, but, but in our hearts Pearl first. Harbor. Yeah. So what is third? You've seen the movie, I've but you it. probably haven't thought about it since. So we haven't... It's not something we've watched recently together or within the late to the party sphere. Well, let's see. How old were we in 2001? You haven't seen this movie since you were probably like seven. Uh, wait, well, is it something I enjoy? You would probably enjoy it. You enjoy this type of movie, but I don't think you've thought about it since. I enjoy this type of Is it like Adam Sandler or someone like that? Is it like, oh, wait, it is Adam Sandler? It's adjacent. But is it Adam Sandler? No. Or it's another comedian. Is it Vince Vaughn? Is it? It's closer to Adam Sandler than that. Okay. Is it, oh, gosh, who else is out there? Is it like Jim Carrey? No, closer. He's in the Happy Madison family. <gasps> Paul Blart Mall Cop? No. No, that's not. That was later. Um, it's another. Is it that guy? Speaking, no. Speaking Kevin of problematic James? faves. Can you give me a hint? Speaking of problematic faves, in every Adam Sandler movie, this man plays a person of color that is not his race. Was it Eddie Murphy? No. Oh. Well, I was just thinking because, like, in Norbit, he disguises himself as an Asian man. I don't know. He's a hot chick. Terry Crews? A hot chick. Oh. Oh. Wait, Rob Schneider? <laughs> yeah. Wait, he plays someone that's not his race. He always does in Big Daddy, 51st Dates. But not in Hot Chick. Not in Hot Chick. 
Oh, I guess I was thinking white chicks. I don't know why I was. I was thinking like I don't know. It was the animal with Rob Schneider. Oh, yeah. I don't. I would not have gotten that. Wow. Like I said, I don't think you've thought about that movie. I haven't. Well, I I thought about it briefly when we actually talked about the hot chick, just because I was like, oh yeah, he did that movie. That's interesting. I don't know. Haven't seen. Haven't thought about that movie in like twenty two years. I don't think it was as good as Hot Chick. I remember liking it at the time, but Hot Chick, great. You know, I watched the Benchwarmers the other day. Yeah. He's the best part of the Benchwarmers. Oh. I think maybe there needs to be a Schneider songs. Really? I mean, Wait, the Hot Chick's been? good. I don't know. The Hot Chick is good. Hot Chick 2. No. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> That'd be too much. I think Moulin Rouge to Baz Luhrmann directs, Rob Schneider is Satine, oh. and Christian. And Jim Broadbent. And Jim Broadbent. He's all the characters. Yeah, like speaking of Eddie Murphy, just, just, just like play. a nutty professor. Yeah, okay. But I'd pay to see. But any more Lady Marmalade facts? Um, Not really. I think that was... That was it. I just didn't. Re- I, like, I'm like, no wonder it was on the brain because it was like on the chart. It was everywhere. Or like, as uh, Justin Timberlake said when he gave them the Grammy, Lady Marmalade. That's a pop culture moment. That's not even a moment that's just stuck in my it. brain really? all these years. Because he says Lady Marmalade. Like the way he says it. Yeah, I don't know. Something about him. Didn't sit right with you, though? I don't know. The the Marmalade, I think. But I, I don't know why. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to this man. I don't know. Anyway, I don't. I don't know. Like, I just really enjoyed this movie. I like the intro. I love the red curtain in the beginning and the little orchestra man. And I don't know. What are you doing? I turned off the light. Sorry. Oh, I was wondering what was going on over there because you look like you're up to something. <laughs> it's up to no good. The light is off. It isn't on. I just, I don't know. I really enjoy this film. It's it's a lot more fun watching it this time without the pressure of it being in a lineup of, like, Academy Award winners. Even though it does have some, um, like, nominations. It and... does. Eight. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, yeah. So, for just Academy Award, it has, it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Actress. It won for Best Art Direction, which makes sense. Avi. Um, it was nominated for cinematography. It won the best costume design. It- Obviously. Catherine Martin, GOAT. Film editing and makeup were nominated, and so was sound. I mean, I didn't think the makeup was too crazy, but I liked that it was subtle. I think also at the time, I don't know, did ladies even wear mascara back in the day? Like that, at that in the 1900s? I don't know about the 1900s. I'm sure they used something that probably ultimately led to their death like lead or something yeah there's so many other awards too that are outside of the academy that also this movie was the moment yeah like it it was a big deal when it came out it was and like rightfully so so we still i think it still holds up i still think about this movie a lot just in life it's really good and it just takes you away you like become like christian yeah yeah, I don't think about the animal with Rob Schneider a lot, but I do think about Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Everything is right in the world. That's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Do you have any final thoughts or 
I have to pee. Oh. Really bad. Okay, cool. Well, let's wrap this but up. But my thoughts are Moulin Rouge is great. Nicole Kidman is great. Ewan McGregor has the voice of a baby angel. Jim Broadbent is my man and my second favorite Teletubby. Mm. And yeah, Moulin Rouge. A great fashion film. Yes. Period. Period. Lady Marmalade is great too. <laughs> Best music video. Yeah. Of all time. Best short film. Yes. <laughs> oh. But yeah, okay, thank well, you so much for listening. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Um, uh, rate review. Give us a review on iTunes. Yes, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you're in the Jim Broadbent gang. Yeah. <laughs> let us know who your favorite Teletubby is. Yes. Favorite Rob Schneider film. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>